Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Getting even better at a challenging competency. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, the Complete Leader Podcast. It is a great companion to the book, The Complete Leader. But if you haven't read the book, then these podcasts dive into each of the competencies that uh, we talk about that that are required of a really, truly engaging leader who has influence with those around them. And Ron Price is the author of The Complete Leader. And Ron, always great to be with you. Yeah, Dale, I'm enjoying our conversations. Thank you. Absolutely. So in a recent podcast, we started off in talking about the idea of self-management. We called it one of the most difficult uh, and challenging of the competencies uh, in The Complete Leader, uh, and that way for most people. But give us a a brief recap of where we've been when it comes to self-management and some of the things that uh, we are working to improve as leaders in that arena. Well, uh, thanks, Dale. First of all, when we created this model around the complete leader, we decided that we were going to identify a series of skills that fit into four major categories. Those categories were first uh, leaders being clear thinkers, because obviously if a leader doesn't have clarity about where they're going or if they don't make good decisions, it's hard for other people to follow them. Second was leaders leading themselves. So it's how well a leader manages herself. And then third, leaders leading others. Obviously, a big part of leadership is how you influence others. And finally, we wrote about leaders being authentic. And what we really mean about that is that every leader is unique, and it's important for you to understand your uniqueness and to have courage, and yet at the same time to have humility. So then in each of those four major categories, we looked at what are the specific skills and how can we help leaders develop these skills in a practical way. And we differentiated between talent and skills. Talent, we describe as something that you were born with, and we all have a different mix of talents. Those talents in the context of the workplace could be described as the natural patterns. We don't have to work at these things. They just come naturally, and it could be the way we think or what we're motivated by or how we behave, and how can we organize those in a way that we can be more productive. But skill is different. Skill is a learned capability. So it may be built on top of a talent. And that means it's easy for us to develop it as a skill because we already have the natural tendencies to go in that direction. Or it may be something that we have to work harder at because it's not built on a natural talent. And yet it's still important to our success at work. So for me, uh, one of those is a part of this topic that we're talking about today, self-management. Self-management is made up of really two components. The first is demonstrating self-control, and the other is is an ability to manage time and priorities. Developing or demonstrating self-control is a part of my natural talent. I'm naturally a more patient person. I'm naturally somebody who finds it easier to listen to other people's opinions and not jump in and want to fix them right away. Not that I never have a problem with that, but it's rare that I have a problem listening to others. On the other side of the equation, the ability to manage time and priorities, that doesn't come naturally for me. I've had to work very, very hard at that. 
all the way since the 1970s, I can remember this angst I have because it's tough for me to organize and execute around priorities. So this part of self-management, which we're going to talk about today, is something that has been, I would say it's been my Achilles heel, except that I've made a decision that I'm going to at least neutralize it as a weakness. Now, I'm not going to let it keep me from being successful. So it's near and dear to my heart because I've had to work so hard at it. Hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's first define organizing and executing around priorities. This is work, life, in all areas. Yeah, it is true in all areas. And the way I like to dissect it is I see three really key words in that phrase that we have to break down. Organizing and executing around priorities. So I like to go to the back and start because it really has to do with priorities. Priorities is the subject of that statement. So priorities are what matters most. It's how do you determine what matters most? How do you focus on or stay intentional around what is most important in this plethora of opportunities that you have to respond to? I heard somebody say this years ago. His name was Peter Lord. He said, you know, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and it's, it was easy for me to remember. And yet it was so profound because I realized that that's what my challenge can be is I get so interested in so many different things. I have so many different opportunities. I have so many people asking me to help out that how do I keep the main thing, the main thing? And that's really the beginning of priorities. And I like to start way at the end I know that in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, his habit number two was uh, to begin with, with the end in mind. And he tells about going to your funeral and what would people get up and say about you at your funeral? Well, I don't really like that approach. Instead, I like to say, how about if we attend your 90th birthday party and it's a surprise to you and there are people from your work history, there are people from your family, there are people maybe from your church or synagogue, there are people from the community who each get up and say something about what you have meant to them in their life. If you could write a story of what each of those people would say, that's really thinking about priorities. When you get to the end of your life, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to say about you? So that's the first exercise that I'll ask leaders to do is to write those stories. I want them to write a story from each of those four dimensions, their work, their family, their social network, whether it's church or whatever, and their community at large. That's a powerful exercise to think about what will people say. Well, and it's a great exercise to document because the first time I did this was probably 25 years ago. And when I go back and read that document, when I read that story now and I go back and look at it and I think, wow, that's still true today. Probably 90% of what's in it is are things that I still want my life to count for when I get to that 90th year today. So it's a, it's a great start. So that's about how do you identify the priorities? So as we move uh, backwards then, Next in line is organizing. Yeah, so it's we want to organize our priorities before we can execute on them. So how do you organize your priorities? Well, that means that you have to compare them against each other. Uh, one of the early examples of this that I learned was a, a consultant named Ivy Lee. He was giving advice to Charles Schwab, who it's not, he wasn't Charles Schwab investing. It was Charles Schwab, who at the time was the CEO of Bethlehem Steel, which for some time was the largest steel producer in the world. And Charles Schwab said to Ivy Lee, you give me anything that will help my senior leadership team to be more productive and I'll pay you whatever it's worth. So Ivy Lee said, okay, pull out a piece of paper. 
And Charles Schwab did an Ivy Lee said, write down the five most important things that you think you need to accomplish tomorrow. And Charles Schwab took a few minutes and wrote down the five things that he thought were most important. And Ivy Lee said, then you prioritize these number one through five, the first one being the most important one for you to accomplish five, the least important. Charles Schwab did that. Then Ivy Lee said, okay, leave that piece of paper on your desk. And when you come in in the morning, look at that piece of paper and you start working on number one, the most important thing that you need to accomplish this day until you've accomplished what you determined you needed to do today. And when you've accomplished that, then look at the four that are left and confirm that you still have them in the right order and then start working at number two. And he said, you know, you probably won't get all five done because you're going to get interrupted and distracted throughout the day. But do the best you can, because even though you can't get everything done, at least you focused on what matters most. He said, you do that every day for a week or two and then teach it to your senior leadership team and have them do it every day, every week, every month. And you do it as long as you'd like. And when you're finished, you send me a check for what you think it was worth. So Charles Schwab did it. And several months later, he put a check in the mail to Ivy Lee for $15,000. Now think about it. That was $15,000 for a five or 10 minute coaching session. (laughs) I wish I could charge that. (laughs) And especially considering the year in which that happened. Oh yeah. It it would be over a hundred thousand dollars for that five or 10 minute coaching session today. But when people asked Charles Schwab, why did you pay him that much money? He said that single process of helping my team prioritize what matters most has had more impact on our productivity and us getting the right things done than anything else I've ever learned. So when I get in a jam, this is a very simple way of organizing around priorities. And when I get distracted and when my task list gets too long and when I start to feel that pressure that I'm losing a sense of what matters most, I, I always go back to this exercise. What are the five things I need to get done today? But of course, for most of us, our work is more complex than that. So we have to have other tools as well for organizing. So I think about categorizing the things that you need to get done. It could be your tasks. It could be your goals. It could be the strategic priorities that you see out on the horizon. And I encourage executives and leaders to organize these using what I call the ABCD method. So I say, build the list of everything that you think is important for you to get done. Now go through the list and ask yourself, which of these things are vital to my survival? If I don't get these things done, our business, our organization, or I may fail as a leader. And those things that you've identified as vital to your survival, mark them an A. Then which of those things that are not vital to your survival? You'll survive without them, but they're still very important. Mark those a B. And then go through and look at the list and say, well, these are not vital to my survival. They're not really important, but they do have some importance. And I really do want to get them done. Mark those as C. And what you have left should be things that you either don't know how important they are or you realize they're noise. They're just not that important at all. Mark those as D. So now you have this long list. It could be tasks or goals or strategic priorities. And you've labeled them A, B, C, or D. You, you got to pay attention to the A's first. You need to get those into your calendar and decide what you're, those are keeping the main thing, the main thing. And then the B's after that, as I've done this for decades now, what I've discovered is I never have more than three or four things on a monthly or a quarterly or an annual list that I would label A, vital to survival. I have a lot of things on my B list. So I go to that list and I say, okay, I might have eight or 10 B's 
I'm going to now mark those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to prioritize them within the level of importance that they have, and then do the same with the C's. And I have to tell you, Dale, that I just ignored the D's because until I know the importance of something or until it becomes important, I cannot afford the time that I pay attention to it. That is the enemy of my ability to organize around my priorities. So that's another interesting way that you can do it, and you can do it with a weekly list or a monthly list, quarterly, or I do it annually as well. Every year I have an annual list, and now we do it looking at two or three or even five years out in where we want to go as a business. Obviously, you're not going to be as as uh, detailed, as specific when you're looking out three or four or five years, but it's, it is directional. It's visionary. It helps you understand how the dots connect so that when you get to that 90th birthday, you're going to have a great time because people are going to tell you that you became what you wanted to become as a leader. And I'm thinking, what? Uh, tell me about the experience of getting to the end of a month, a quarter, or even a, a year, looking back at that prioritization list and looking at that A group and that B group. What's well, the impact me, of that? Well, for me, it's two things. First is I'm, I, I feel a certain amount of self-satisfaction that I am organizing around my priorities and that I'm not just a victim of life and I'm not just reacting to everything happening around me, but I'm doing something intentional that's going to move me forward to a better future. The second part of it is I don't always succeed. Some of those I fall short. And instead of blaming myself or feeling shame, I ask myself the innocent question, why didn't I succeed? What was it that got in the way? Is it something about me? Is it maybe it really wasn't a priority, even though I thought it was? Or oftentimes what I conclude is my strategy for how I'm going to accomplish that priority is flawed and I have to rethink it. And one of the greatest aha moments for me as I've done this again for decades is that the most important priorities for me, I can never do alone. I need other people's help. And oftentimes if I'm failing to execute on a priority, it's because I wasn't clear enough or I wasn't proactive, uh, proactive enough in building a team around me, building the right support structure, making sure that other people understood how this was a priority for me and why it was and engaging them throughout the process. Because the most valuable, the most important things that I've accomplished as a leader, I never could get done by myself. So let's dive into that that last area or the first in the list as we work backwards, and that's executing. So executing is really about two things. It's about focus. It's about your ability to remain energized and committed to those critical few things that are going to matter the most. Two or three things that are most important that you've labeled as A or they're a high B, and you really build your schedule and build your day and build your relationships, your communication, your, your journaling, your tracking around those two or three things that over time you are going to develop more and more and more focus. You're going to stay energized around those things. You're going to stay committed. One of the ways that I teach executives to develop that focus is to ask yourself, what are the benefits when I accomplish this? And to go deep in that conversation around what are you going to get from this? What's the benefit? And eventually it becomes very intrinsic, very emotional what the benefit is. 
of a particular priority. And then I ask them, so what are you going to have to learn to achieve it? What people are going to need to help you? What obstacles are you going to run into? How are you going to measure your success? What kind of milestones should you create? How you're going to celebrate when you've achieved that success? These are all ways that you create energy around that focus. So that's the first thing is you have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to shut down the distractions that you, either you create for yourself or that other people create. In my case, because I have this wide set of interests, one of the big distractions I have to learn to say no to is going off on different tangents. I might see an article in one of the newsletters that I get, or I might see an article in Harvard Business Review, and it's really interesting to me. And I start going down that pathway, and then I realize that wasn't relevant to one of my critical two or three things that I'm supposed to be focused on. So I have to figure out how to say no and how to get rid of the noise. And the way I do it is coming back, I have to have it written down, those two or three critical things. My, for In my case, I have annual goals, I have quarterly goals, and I have monthly and weekly reviews of those goals. And I have to have the discipline. I actually put it as an appointment with myself in my calendar to go look at those goals and ask myself, what did I accomplish this week around these things that I've considered to be most important? Another way that sometimes people can do it that's really helpful is a time log to fill out during their week. And we break the time log into four different columns. The first column is, what are the things that I did this week that are both urgent and important? So I define urgent as something that you gotta get done within the next 24 to 48 hours or somehow you're going to let somebody down. Important is what am I doing today that I will care about three years from now? It really has lasting impact. It's not just about putting a fire out right now, but it has lasting impact. So for me, that's about my professional development. Did I spend 30 minutes today reading in that area where I want to grow? Or did I take the time to have a meaningful conversation with one of my co-leaders that wasn't just about getting tasks done, but it was about how we're growing together in our influence? Those are examples of something that's important, urgent. It's got to be done right away. So the first column is urgent and important. That might be satisfying a customer need that came up that has to be responded to immediately. The second column is what things are important, but they're not urgent. So they're, they're the long-term impacts that I could get away without doing them today, but if I keep procrastinating day after day after day, I'm not going to end up where I want to be. The third column is what things did I do today that were urgent but they're not important. I needed to get them done, but three years from now, I, I won't care whether I did them. I just care today. And then the fourth category, what things did I do today that were neither urgent nor important, but somehow I got derailed, I got distracted. And in your time log, if you have a lot of things that show up there, and of course you have to be honest with yourself, those are things like surfing on the web, reading junk email, or spending too much time watching TV shows that are silly that really aren't going to do anything to improve your life. The more time you spend there, it's not that you're a bad person. That's a symptom of burnout. That's a symptom of stress that is counterproductive. When you catch yourself doing things that are not urgent or important, so you're catching yourself doing things that are just a waste of time, it's really an indication that you're worn out. It's an indication of burnout or an indication of excessive stress. So that means you've got to go back to self-care. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means that you're losing your energy, your strength, your capacity to manage and execute around your priorities. 
So as we wrap up, uh, you've got some resources for us to think about and then some practical steps, things that we can just basically get out of the car today or, or walk into the office and start doing in order to really get the most of this concept of self-management. Yes. Well, well, first of all, one of the books I think that is a classic that ought to be on everybody's shelf is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, in this book, Stephen Covey spends a whole section on habit three, first things first. And that's where I got the four quadrant uh, practical exercise from. There's also another book that he co-authored with two other people called First Things First, where he takes a deeper dive into that. One of the books, if you want to get more complex, if you really want to become um, a lot more sophisticated in the way that you're managing your time, is Getting Things Done by David Allen. And then there's a book that I've been reading recently called The One Thing by Keller that really helps you to focus on the one thing that's going to have the biggest impact on you accomplishing what matters most in your life. And of course, I encourage people to go to thecompleteleader.org where we have video clips that are two or three minutes long about self-management, how you can improve your self-management skills. And at the bottom of the page on self-management, we have a whole list of additional resources that you can tap into. Awesome. So what do we do when we get into work today? Well, let's just try that first exercise we talked about earlier. Let's talk, let's write down the five most important things for me to do tomorrow. And let's pay attention to that all day and see how it affects our ability to keep the main thing the main thing. And then secondly, I encourage you begin begin to think about what you want to accomplish, not just today, but begin to think about what you want to accomplish in the next 90 days. And I will encourage you, keep it simple to begin with the next 90 days is, the more difficult it is to execute. So it may only be two or three things that you really want to get focused on in the next 90 days. And then keep feeding your mind with a focus on self-management every day, every week, and you're going to grow. And I'll finish with one quote from David Allen in his book, Getting Things Done. He said, Dale, we have many options, but we have only one next step. That is a great way to wrap up this episode of the Complete Leader Podcast. Thank you so much, Ron. Great information and a great challenge for us to improve in this core competency. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.